You know, we, uh, we still have 11 condoms. Hey, you see 11 condoms? I see 11 minutes of my life. I'm never getting back. <laughs> Stop being dramatic, spit it out. There's walkers in the barn and boys playing. Lady Brick, you can't knock What? Keep looking. I suggest we do that. I hear Nebraska's nice. <laughs> Nebraska. This guy. You'll be living to protect what's yours. That's right. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> I'm Jason. And I'm Karen. This is The Walking Dead cast episode 72. Don't try to throw me off. <laughs> I'm going to put in off. lots of pauses today. <laughs> lots of awkward pauses and I'm going to have trouble filling. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun for everybody. And talk over you. Wait, I do that anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, I always try to fill up all the empty spaces. Maybe that's not so good. I don't know. Let's have a nice empty space right now. A moment of silence. Okay. In honor of... The well zombie. (laughs) (laughs) This is the worst moment of silence ever. (laughs) I just can't do it. Um, So uh, I wanted to um, figure out, okay, we mentioned we're doing this costume contest. Mm -hmm. We're giving away these beautiful hardbacks that cover 12, the first 24 issues of The Walking Dead. Yep. So uh, do you think anybody will actually enter? Yeah. I mean, if only one person enters and he just drew a picture of a zombie on a piece of paper and cut out eye holes, that guy's going to win. <laughs> put it on his face. Just took, you just stole my idea for a Halloween costume. <laughs> I could try that. I did that as a 16-year-old. Trick-or-treating. Um, okay, so best zombie costume wins these beautiful hardbacks. Uh, two, two volumes, 24 issues, plus a medium-sized michonne walking dead t-shirt from uh image Image expo Expo. and uh one of the books is um wrapped in bubble wrap so then you can play with the bubble wrap (laughs) um and the deadline we decided to go about a week after halloween we can have actually so friday november 9th so maybe this could be your impetus to make a killer zombie halloween costume um can i enter uh you can enter but you can't win I'm going to enter and I'm going to get the moral victory. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. If you do win, then I'll make sure and give you kudos and <laughs> give the second runner up the prize. So, okay, folks out there, you're competing against <laughs> Are you, you really going to be a zombie? I might, it's make, so I, might, I might dress my cat up as a zombie. I At this point, if you want to be fresh, you should probably be like a zombie clown or something. Oh, that's oh. what <laughs> Seth Peterson did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But hope you guys enter that and send us cool pictures and we'll post them on the website and everything. Fresh. Fun, fun, fun. Zombies. What, uh, what have you been up to? Uh, oh, all kinds of, all kinds of shenanigans. It's good stuff, man. Anything zombie related? Nothing zombie related. It's been, it's been a quiet week in, in Lake, uh, in Lake Karangon. Do you have zombie news? I do. For later. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, I just watched 
five episodes of Walking Dead in a row. How does that feel? Um, Zombalicious? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah? I'd say they got better and better as <gasps> as the season went along. I concur. Sort of. I concur. Yeah, except oh. I really like Chupacabra. And and I liked um, uh, Pretty Much Dead Already. But we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. So, so uh, this is part two of our season two rewatch. We're doing episodes five through nine today. Uh, and then we have all our other usual crap. <laughs> <laughs> So so we'll start with the normal, usual crap, which is the news (laughs) about The Walking Dead. (laughs) So, uh, take it away, Jason. (laughs) So, first item the Universal Halloween uh, Studios Halloween Horror Nights, this big, elaborate haunted house starts tonight. It's like a month of, of. of you know haunted houseness. I so love haunted houses, and I really want to uh, go. This down. seems like it's going to be the best haunted house ever. Would and I got my tickets. <gasps> You're going uh, down October twenty seventh. Yeah, me and Jenny and some friends are going. So Lucky. if you get a bug up your butt, <laughs> then you should get tickets for that day and come with us. Oh, how fun! <clears throat> so like do it. you have a description? You have to drive to L.A. Um, or fly. It's or fly. Uh, yeah. So there's actually a few different haunted houses. I don't have, I don't forget what the other ones are. I didn't make a note of it, but they say the walking dead dead inside is this year's centerpiece. And it's like a maze, which most haunted houses are, I guess. Greg Nicotero is consulting on it. So he gave oh. them all the instructions on how to make the zombies just like walking dead zombies. Um, he says, this is not a carnival attraction. It's not a haunted house that somebody's having in a high school parking lot. This is really about taking the participant and putting them inside the show. Nice. There's more. The, this is from an article on LATimes.com. They say, visitors to The Walking Dead Dead Inside will have no shortage of fluids spattered at them. <laughs> As they wind, I don't know if that's a bonus. As they wind through a labyrinth of corridors that approximates major moments from the series' first two seasons, sound cues, lighting, and fog, and misdirection boost the scares. Nicotero says, "I guarantee you that a third of the people that go through this maze will repeat, be repeat participants. Horror fans are unlike any other fans because they want to experience something, and they want to experience it over and over again." He says, "It's not just cheap thrills they're after; it's a chance to confront, on some level, the most primal fears: the idea of being eaten alive, the idea of a loved one not being your loved one. They still look the same, but intent on devouring your very essence <laughs> <laughs> and your brains and your brains." Uh, so I. I- are you gonna? Is this? Does this? Ugh, does this have anything to do with getting tagged? I don't think so. Mm. I, I think um, I haven't heard anything like that. I think it's just more of your typical haunted house experience. Yeah, you yeah. Know? no one's gonna actually come over and, and try to get you. I don't mm-hmm. think it's about evading them so much. Uh huh. So you could maybe just take your time through it too, which yeah. is kind of fun. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> I'm not gonna have to do cardio beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the things I liked about the uh, the haunted uh, the Walking Dead escape, the Walking Dead escape. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, was that it? There was so much detail, and I wish I wasn't in a hurry. Yeah, I would oh, like man, to have I, lingered. It'd be great if you could figure out how to come because this is going to be even more detail. You know, it's yeah. all made up like Hollywood style. Right, right, right. Uh, I love haunted houses. There's some good ones around here too. 
Are there? Yeah. Uh, we, a few years ago, we went to this really elaborate one in a warehouse. God, it's been so long. I can't remember. But there, you should check it out. There's some good ones around here. All right. Maybe, all right, um, David. This is going to be crowded as hell. That's the only thing I'm worried about. Mm. Um if you you could pay like 60 some dollars for a regular ticket or like a hundred bucks to be able to go to the front of the line each time. <gasps> wow. We didn't do that. We just got the standard ones. Does that mean you can go through a couple times though? Yeah. You oh, can go nice. through, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those stand in line for three hours yeah. or more kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I'm going to bring some comic books or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're there with your buddies. Yeah. You'll have a good buddies, time. Yeah. Okay. Sneak in a flask. Man, you know what? I've had this cold for like the last three podcasts. I can't shake it. Yeah. I have to edit out all my throat clearings. You know what I think it is? (coughs) Don't you think it's allergies? No, allergies. No, I I mean, I I have allergies and this is like, you know, I don't know, hacking up crap could be allergy it's not it's not any allergy i've had before but it feels really? just like colds yeah so i've got the, and that, jenny and nico have it too really mm. oh man maybe you're all just sort of giving it to each other back <laughs> i know J- nico brings it home from daycare they're little vectors kids are <laughs> are you editing this out i don't know maybe not <laughs> i see okay when we first started this podcast and you started going into this long thing about all our personal details. I was like, I don't think anybody's going to care about this until we've done a few and they got to know us. And then maybe they'll be more interested because yeah. we kind of follow Jay and Jack. Right. Yeah, and they right. always talk about themselves. Yes. But I, I don't know if whether they did that at first. I think over time. Yeah. I don't know. If you guys wish I would have cut all this out, write in and let me know. You're not going to keep. You better not keep this <laughs> in. You're going to be so we in didn't so much it, trouble. There's. Nothing incriminating. Okay. Um, next, on October 4th, there'll be four new five-minute Walking Dead webisodes. Uh, d- again, directed by Greg Nicotero. Hopefully with some better actors this time. <laughs> no offense. Um, it's called Cold Storage. And one of the cast members is Daniel Roebuck, who played Doc Arst on Lost. Nice. Yeah, he's good. I liked him. I hope he explodes in this one, too. That would be so great. Please explode. <laughs> they say Cold Storage tells the story of a young man, Chase, trying to reach his sister in the early days of the zombie apocalypse. He finds temporary shelter in a storage facility facility run by a former employee named BJ, who's Roebuck. However, things are not what they appear. <laughs> <laughs> I like the uh, webisodes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I, it seems like it would be cool if they did them in the summer when there's nothing else, you know? Yeah, like rather than you're so starving. close yeah. to the beginning. But maybe they just do it so it's, that they, you know, piques everybody's interest. That's true, yeah. There's a lot more publicity coming out lately yeah. and stuff. Uh, a guy named Gino Crognail uh, works on Walking Dead um, prosthetic makeup and he won an Emmy for it. Oh, and I guess the Emmys are on this weekend, but they do some of the technical ones beforehand or something. Oh, that's like that. how you know that he won an Emmy for it. I mean, I was like, the Emmys haven't happened yet. Yeah, they're yeah they're on. I think Sunday. He recently won an Emmy for it. Just now, yeah. Oh, okay. Like yesterday. Oh. Uh, uh, this is from an interview with Michael Rooker, who plays Merle at ComicBookMovie.com. They ask initially what attracted you attracted you to the role of Merle Dixon. 
He says, the role of Merle Dixon in me being in The Walking Dead is a karma job for me. A couple of decades ago, there was a chance to work with Frank Darabont and it didn't work out. And I wanted to do something with him for a while. Merle started out as one episode and they just didn't have a lot of budget for the character. And then it turned into something wonderful, a challenging role that I am honored to play. They say, after filming season one, did you have any clue on Merle's fate? He says, honestly, no, I didn't have a clue and I'm still trying to figure it out. Ha ha ha. They say, Merle Dixon is set to star alongside Daryl in Activision's The Walking Dead video game. Are you involved in the project? He says, yes, I plan to be a part of the game. Finally, they ask Merle. Oh, this isn't the whole interview, but I'm just mm-hmm. reading part. But they, the last part is Merle was an original character to the TV show. How did you go about making this character your own? He says, this character is my own. I mean, the source material was amazing, and I was able to simply tap into my southern upbringing and let the character flow from there. I'm very fortunate to work with such great material and actors and crew. And I think as a result, it's been some of the best work I've done in my career. And, uh, you know, when I first saw Merle, my first response to him was um, pretty negative. I mean, especially because he's such a jerk. Mm -hmm. But also, I remember thinking he was a bit too much of of a caricature or something. But for some reason, I've come around on him. I don't know. I'm like totally looking forward to seeing him in season three and how Daryl and um, T-Dog are going to play off of him. Right. Uh, It was fun to see him. uh, Yeah. He was just a hallucination. It was fun to see him in Chupacabra. Totally. Yeah. And he gives uh, he makes Daryl a a better character, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Um, (laughs) And then the last thing is there's this featurette showing actors talking about the characters in season three. Uh, It's four minutes long. It's a little spoilery. So if you hate spoilers, this is the last news item and you should move ahead right now. But I'm going to go ahead and play it. The energy of the first, the opening episode certainly sets the tone. We hit the ground running. is an amazing ride. Like, I mean, I just say fasten your seatbelt. Go back, go back. There's just this level that we're hitting that um, I don't think maybe has not been done on television before. We basically have plunged into more madness, more chaos, more grief. Probably a lot more violence, but this is an apocalyptic war zone. Especially when we arrive at the prison. I mean, that's just like from the very first frame. There's going to be some new locations, very compelling new characters, shocking deaths, and hordes of zombies. There's no way out. This is your only chance to, to live a whatever sort of life you can put together. So lots of laughs and uh, plenty, of, plenty of jokes. Go back! Look, I know we're all exhausted. We got to push just a little bit more. Where we left Rick and the gang at the end of season two, they were in a very desperate, broken place. On the other hand, they've come together as a group in ways that apparently were impossible with Shane around. When we open season three, you'll see that there's no fear at all. So we're like a serious strike force. That's different, totally different for this group. Anyone breaks ranks, we could all go down. Everybody's more badass. Everybody's more pissed off. Everybody can deal with the situation. So in season three, it's a lot about people versus people rather than people versus walkers. (laughs) You're not a killer, and I know that. They've almost completely lost the ability to communicate with one another. 
His relationship with Laurie is in a very, very far worse place than ever. He's becoming more of a control freak, I think, in order to keep people safe. We have to go in there, hand to hand. Daryl has sort of become Rick's number two go-to guy. He's more of a team player. This season, you will get more T-Dog. Trust me on that. And I think Maggie and Glenn have taken it upon themselves to become this sort of two-pronged weapon. All we do is run. Glenn realizes that he can't just make decisions based on whatever everybody else wants. He needs to act on his instincts because they've, they've been right. Welcome to Woodbury. The governor runs a town called Woodbury. What is this place? It's a very different type of location than I think you've seen before. I don't trust him. It's an oasis in this madness. And his desire is to keep it that way. You're sitting pretty at the end of the world. You're going to see a very independent Andrea, figuring out who she is in this world and making choices more than ever before. We want our weapons. Michonne is beyond a survivor. She's a thriver. She's recreated herself in response to the realm that she's in. I think a lot of that comes out of um, a woundedness. Someone's coming. The way that it manifests through her is the decision to become a warrior. Merle is a very loyal guy. And this season, he has a purpose. How's about a big hug for your old pal, Merle? <laughs> <laughs> Do whatever you gotta do to keep this group safe. I mean, we keep getting these scripts in and going, how are they gonna top this one? And they keep doing it. We're taking back what's ours. We spilled blood. It's, it's incredible storytelling. Mm. We gotta get out of here. I, I think fans are gonna love it. They're gonna be glued. Is that enough of a tantalizing morsel? Uh-huh, mm. Andrew Lincoln and your tantalizing morsels. <laughs> morsel. <laughs> It's going to be great. They I, need to under-promise and over-deliver on their um, preview next time. It's yeah. all right. He's the one who keeps doing it. They're he, like, he's yeah. like, well, Stephen Yeun also. Yeah, he said, I don't think anything like this has ever been done on TV People before. People will be glued. Yeah. He should be like, did you ever see Golden Girls? It's going to be kind of like that. <laughs> About as exciting. <laughs> We're really shifting gears. <laughs> Can I ask a and question? And Daryl gets 20% more badass every season. <laughs> Is that possible? <laughs> um, what? Uh, a question that's um, about what I just saw, but possibly slightly spoilery mm -hmm. for the next three seconds. Um, and this is about the comic. Uh, what comes first, the prison or Woodbury? Prison. Mm. Okay. But here it looks like they're more together. Interesting. There's several issues of prison before Woodbury in the comic. That's why... Uh, Chad and I read like 20 issues for our episode because oh. <laughs> I wanted to make sure we covered some governor stuff and he didn't come in until much later. Wow. You had to read a lot. <clears throat> yeah. But that's, you know, wow. You have to read a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite one. Okay. Let's move on to our rewatch season two episodes five through nine. What'd you think? Which episode was your favorite? Um, actually, my favorite episode, because it held my favorite moment, was Nebraska. Although Pretty Much uh -huh. Dead Already was great. Um, so those those two <coughs> episodes had my my numbers one and two favorite moments. Um, what was your very favorite moment? The bar scene. 
Yeah. Yeah, I love the bar scene. Me too. I thought I, it was great. I, I think that might be my favorite scene in the whole series so far, maybe. It was really, really good. And upon watching it again, I knew it was going to happen, but I, yeah. it was still tense. Just good. Yeah. I mean, I love how um, it it shifts, you know? Uh-huh. And I want to believe that Tony's the main guy, right? He's the... Uh-huh. Dave's uh, the big... Renee from True Blood. Or is that Dave? That might be Dave. Yeah. Let's say it's Dave. I don't remember. But I wanted to believe that Dave uh, was sincere when he said he felt bad when he heard that Herschel lost some people. Right. You know? Right. That he's, uh, that he's not just an evil guy that, you know, he's probably not very morally upstanding, but he still has some human qualities, you know? And, um, that, that, that some of that, um, kind of cordiality was not just a way to, um, get them to trust him, but there was at least some amount of authenticity there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And that things, uh, but still, you know, they're going to take what they want when, right. it, when thing, when it comes, push comes to shove and that's their intention. And also now we sort of know, uh, because, uh, now we know how bad they are, uh, having watched the entire arc of season two. Uh-huh. I remember when, uh, they were walking through, what's the kid's name again? Randall. Randall. Remember when Randall was saying right before uh, he, he was popped by Shane, uh, oh, you're going to love these guys. They're crazy. And yeah, all kinds yeah, of yeah, badass yeah. crap that goes down, blah, right. blah, blah. And um, then, of course, he got he got shot in the back but of the head. we never get to see. I mean, I mean, yeah. And then he also mentioned that later on in episodes we haven't rewatched yet that there was a rape or something. Mm-hmm. So you know that um, at least some of the people in their group are horrible people. Oh, yeah. But they're still, we don't really get to see them that much, you know? I, I think, I mean, my suspicion is that the writers intended on them just being a bunch of, uh, like, crazy, evil vagabonds or something. Uh-huh. But it could just as easily be that that a bunch of them are, but there's also women and children and innocents who are just kind of glommed together with them. I don't know. I mean, I would like that better. I don't know what my point is, but (laughs) this scene, I love that it it shifted so well from Uh uh, friendly and nice to uh, like a a major confrontation and aggression and death. (laughs) Right. Right. And, and uh, you can tell the writers had a good time with Mm -hmm. it. I mean, with Dave saying, I hate to piss in your Mm cornflakes and describing really how bad everything is. And, um, you know, you just keep driving from one pipe dream to the next. It was. It was well written. Evan T. Riley wrote it. I liked it very Um, much. I liked it. It Also, it was, I want to see more writing on The Walking Dead where people aren't saying exactly what they think and feel. Right. Because. A, it's more interesting when there's subtext, uh-huh. and B, that's kind of how people talk in real life, anyway. Right. You know, I mean, I, I, I when I went through writing um, school, I, you know, I, my major was writing, and the worst writers always just the characters just said exactly what was on their mind. Right. And that's just not realistic <laughs> and and you know use sparingly it has effect yeah but, yeah but you know that's uh, right this early on the the first couple of episodes 
of this last set of episodes, Chupacabra mm-hmm. and Secrets, there were a lot of a lot of the here's how I feel about yes. this. Here's yeah. how I feel about this. Yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. differently about that. Yeah, yeah there's a lot uh, of that. That's Ugh. that's what makes it feel like a soap opera. Yeah, they do that on soaps all the time, and everybody knows exactly what everybody else's motivations are and stuff. Um, one thing I noticed that I didn't notice the first time I saw it is, um, you know. Tony, I think it's Tony. I don't know. I'll say Dave. Dave's hinting around that he wants uh, to know where they're from, what, where they're holed up. Like, are they on a farm or whatever? Because he wants to go there. And Rick is resisting. And he says, you know, I don't know you people, implying that he can't right, trust them enough right. to tell them. And then Tony, instead of doing what a reasonable person might do and say, um, well, you know, maybe you could get to know us or is there something I could do, you know, like you could come meet my people or whatever. He says something like, uh, basically, you know, Hey, we've all had to do terrible things in the zombie apocalypse. We're the same. (laughs) So take us to your farm. Like what, how's that going to convince me? You know, I'm a horrible person as I'm sure you are. So take us to your farm. So look, we've all done awful things. Let's go. And that wasn't even really the, I guess I'm going to grab a bottle of whiskey here and let's go. Like, Oh, that's a good point. (laughs) You probably raped somebody, didn't you? All right. Right. Come on to the farm. Let's go. You're right. (laughs) We've all pillaged. And then Dave, uh, it was pretty dumb of him to put his gun down on the bar if he was just going to go for it when Rick had his hand on his gun in his on his own gun in his holster. Well, maybe he thought okay, uh, so the guy the fat fat, fat Tony, Tony. Yeah. fat Tony, okay. Or skinny Tony or whatever they called him. And, and I'm mixing I him up. I think they just called him Tony, but Tony. <laughs> he's the I'm mixing guy. him up with um Skinny Pete from Breaking Bad. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, the, They'd make a good pair. <laughs> yeah. Let's just call him the, the dude who took a leak on yeah. the bar room floor. That guy. That guy, he knew, had his gun trained on um, on uh, Rick. Rick. Yeah. So maybe he felt pretty safe with his buddy with the gun right behind Rick. He was wrong. He was absolutely <laughs> wrong. Yeah. And I wonder if um, we'll ever get to know more about Tony and Dave's group. Because uh, I don't think they're we part the op- of the governor's group. We had the opportunity to learn a lot about them. We did. <laughs> yes, Randall. He was at oh. the he was at the farm for what? You know how many weeks before his blown off knee repaired itself magically? Yeah, he was there for like at least ten <laughs> days. We could have learned a lot about his group, but if anyone had bothered to talk to him, yeah, <laughs> instead of chaining him up in the barn and torturing him and not really <laughs> asking him anything useful, right? Um, we had the opportunity. But yeah. that was um, so. Can I talk to you about my second favorite? Um, yeah, sure. Go ahead. My second favorite scene of um, of this rewatch was um, the barn scene with uh, Sophia. The, yeah, mm-hmm. the final showdown at the barn. Um, I was shocked. Um, it was really fun. I mean, I clearly wasn't shocked again, but the first time I was. Um, even though I knew that there were zombies in there, it was still just crazy. You didn't know Sophia was in there, right? No. Mm. No, I didn't. I did, and it just totally fundamentally changed my perception, I think. Because my reaction to that was like, 
I can, this is a good scene, but I feel like they've spent seven episodes on the search for Sophia and here she was in the barn the whole time. What a waste of, of seven episodes. It should have been three, but I think a lot of people, (laughs) because they didn't know for sure that she was in there, it just hit so hard that they're like, that, that was such an emotionally like impactful moment. Yeah. That it felt like a big payoff. Mm -hmm. And to me it was more like, yep, there she is. (laughs) Oh no, for me it totally mm -hmm. hit home. And Mm -hmm. I was, uh, it It was was still good, but yeah, it was very sad. And it was sad that, um, you know, Rick, um, steps up and he's the one who, Mm -hmm. um, kills her. Which I didn't believe. I mean, after Shane, all of Shane's bluster, I really felt like he would have popped her. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think he would have bought back down. You yeah, know. you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm glad that Rick did that because he need he he needed to step up and start closure leading. Yeah, <laughs> he it was his to, fault. He needed to re kill her. Yeah, kill her. <laughs> it was his fault. I, okay, so I want to list. Um, I think this is all or maybe most of the zombie scenes in this group of episodes. Yeah. And we can pick our favorite. Ooh, nice. So um, one was the Daryl shoe chomping zombie Mm -hmm. and his buddy. Yeah. Uh, Merle uh, turned into. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Love that. Uh, Glenn and Maggie in the pharmacy Mm -hmm. and Glenn hits the one with the shelf. Oh, that was good. Shane and Andrea have their zombie showdown in suburbia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The wrangler scene where they're wrangling the zombies. <laughs> Be the <laughs> carrot, the not the stick. <laughs> uh, then there's the whole barn killing Sophia one. I guess that's going to be your favorite. Then there's Lori in the car. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hitting, hitting the guy. She sticks him with the... Um, oh, yeah. With the... She pulls off the turn signal, sticks him in the eye. Right. And he's pushing his face through the glass, remember? That's my then favorite. Then she gets out and there's one just kind of sneaking up behind her and she almost doesn't see it. And then there's um, the... When they get confronted at the bar, there's zombies outside uh, converging and eating some dude and... And then, then when uh, Randall falls on the spike, they're uh, all converging. Yeah, right. Out of all those, which one's your favorite? Uh, clearly, the um, uh, Lori breaking off the turn <laughs> Me too. signal handle. That's my favorite, too. Sticking out. Well, but how could the... Um, it was very MacGyver of her. The the Sophia scene is your favorite scene, but this is your favorite zombie scene. How does favorite, that square? This, this is my favorite zombie kill. Completely different zombie than kill. than one of my favorite scenes, which is the whole the whole uh, the whole arc of the the barn. Yeah, just for of, its sheer zombie awesomeness, it's, it's the it was Lori very one. zombie. Me too. I love that. It's <sighs> scary and. I like cool. where I like where people use, trapped. use weapons at hand, you know, uh-huh. you know, right now we could, for instance, take the um, our microphones and remove the uh, fuzzy pads <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, exactly. Or um, Lori could fight. Lori could uh, fight Glenn and she could have a turn signal and he could have a shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Who would win? <laughs> it's a close fight. It I'd is. Say. <laughs> uh, Chupacabra, I liked more this time. Uh, uh, that's the first episode we watched. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I thought the pacing was like everybody had something to do, and mm-hmm. it and they were kind of um, different. Like uh, 
Glenn and Maggie, I mean, all of their scenes I've liked and they're consistently good. And, um, in this, this is the one where she, he, he says he has 11 condoms and she says, that's, I see 11 minutes wasted of my life. Or whatever. <laughs> right. That's 11 minutes of my life. I ain't getting yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, like their, their, uh, little dynamic. It's pretty cute. And I, I liked, uh, I agree. I like Daryl, um, going kind of crazy down at the river. Yeah. I mean, I still have all my same complaints about Daryl being too cool for school too cool for school he's almost like a caricature but i have to admit i i just enjoyed watching that whole sequence of him falling off the horse and sticking himself with the arrow even Uh though he then neatly pulls off each sleeve to expose his muscular bare (laughs) arms and rambo style makes a tourniquet for himself yeah he's so freaking badass but it still was great to watch and and then i I'm not so sure how I feel about people hallucinating like full blown characters that they have conversations with because that doesn't really happen in real life unless you're on a really heavy dose of shrooms. But um, or you're on the island of Lost. Yeah, but it's still it, it worked because I like the dynamic between him and his brother. And then I loved where his brother kneels down and the next thing you know, it's a zombie chomping on his boot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. And then the way he kills them is really cool. Yes, completely, <clears throat> completely agree with all of that. By the way, how great was the intro? Um, if you'll recall, they, um, Shane, it was a little flashback, and Shane, Laurie, and Carl <coughs> were on the road mm-hmm. um, to Atlanta, and um, then they see the bombing of Atlanta. Awesome. Yeah, right? Yeah, I love that because anytime you see a major metropolitan area in the U.S. get <laughs> carpet bombed, it's like, oh my God, <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that took away from that is um, they've shown scenes in Atlanta before and nothing looked bombed. They're just in different neighborhoods. Yeah, and you have to kind of excuse it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, it was good, and I liked seeing Ed again, even though he's a dickhead. Uh, right. Carol's husband. Right, 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 right. And I felt like, oh, it's too bad. Mazzara said he doesn't like flashbacks, so they, you know, I bet you they won't do many more of those. But I kind of like, like, I also liked when... Um, Oh, somebody was talking about their former... Oh, Rick and Shane were talking about the high school like girls that Shane bagged. Nailed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's like kind of offensive, but it's like real sounding yeah. guy talk. Yeah. And it was interesting to me. It's interesting to me to hear about their lives before this. Mm-hmm. To give you a sense of, oh, wow, yeah, they were real people and everything And they've just been changed. friends for a long, yeah. long, long time. And then it was interesting that Shane said... Uh, no, I don't want, we can't think about that stuff anymore. It's a different world. And then a couple of episodes later, Lori's saying memories are all I have to keep me going. So it's like these two different perspectives on right. that. Coping, <laughs> trying to cope with the crazy world. Yeah, coping strategies. Yep. And but I also liked the uncomfortable dinner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> poor Glenn. Another good Glenn moment. Hey, does anybody play guitar? <laughs> Otis was a fine guitar player. <laughs> I have a little note to myself uh, that I don't know if I read last time, but um, it, it says, uh, note to self, guitar lessons will make me popular in the post-zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, in one of the previews, uh, Beth is singing, and I'm not sure, for season three, I'm not sure if she's playing guitar. I think she might be. Um, 
I know Emily Kinney, the actress, she's a folk, like a folk singer or she's a singer. She has an album out. And so I think they're using some of her skills so you know, her, in the show. Herschel says that Otis was a fine guitar player, but he's completely ignoring Beth's talents. Either that or That's I'm wrong and dad. she was just singing. <laughs> but she could have said, well, you play and I'll sing. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn actually Stephen Young he's, He actually plays the guitar Does he? Yeah But he had to fake Being bad at it Yeah Yeah On episode. the porch Yeah <laughs> um, uh, Even though um, I was hoping that Watching all of these Back to back Would make it A little better About so many Sophia episodes mm-hmm. It did a little But not enough mm. I still felt like They spent too much time on it yeah, they spent a lot of time out there looking for that little girl. Yeah, and, you know, it's like this, it felt like just an ele- a story element. Like, why would they stay on the farm for a long time? We, we have a small budget this year. We need them to be on the farm the whole season. Let's have them looking for Sophia the whole season. Yeah, right, you know? right. And we've heard Glenn Mazzara say for season three, there's packing a lot more story in. And, and I think that they probably took all of the criticisms of season two to heart. And so there's more, probably more plot developments in a shorter amount of time, I hope. Yes, please. Mm. You would like that. And I think season three, having a villain is going to just make it a, a fundamentally different show and, and oh, it's a lot be better. So good. Yeah. I can't wait. It's less than a month now, by the way, yeah. I think. Well, it's like uh, 12 weeks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like three weeks, I think. <laughs> What else? Did you cut that part of the last podcast? No, I left it in. (laughs) By the way, speaking of Glenn, it was a very Glennalicious episode. Which one? Um, I mean the the first. There's a lot of Glenn. There's a lot of Glenn. Um, All that whole um, those all those episodes have Glenn in them, which is great. Um, I like the fact that he's such a bad Mm -hmm. liar. Yes, he can't even play poker. Yeah. I'm telling you, I love all the Glenn scenes. Yeah, when he's just being so awkward and giving up his secrets because he just can't lie. He tells he tells <laughs> Maggie, you're trying to buy my silence with fruit? And she says, no, there's also jerky. <laughs> <laughs> and even when he's like, you know, fight, he's making a stand for himself to Maggie. Like, um, I did it because, you know, I'd rather have you mad at me and, and yes. alive. And it's a very strong pl- place of strength that he's coming from. But he still is kind of awkward about it. He's saying something about when they dropped me in the well and I felt like I was playing Portal. You know, it's a video game. (laughs) She's like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh. By the way, that was one of the my top five games that I picked. Really? Chat episode, yeah. My second favorite game. Do you go into tight spaces when you're playing Portal? No, Hmm. that totally didn't make sense. Oh, (laughs) because I think I said this when we talked about this episode last time, but. In Portal, you have a gun that shoots uh, yellow and orange like circles onto flat surfaces mm-hmm. that make portals. And oh. if you shoot a yellow portal over here, I mean blue and orange. If you shoot a blue one over here and orange one here, you walk through the orange one and you come out the blue one. Yeah. Right? So if he was really playing Portal, then he could have just shot a portal down in the well and shot another one somewhere else and the zombie would have fell through it. <laughs> 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 right, you're right. It was nothing like that. Nothing like Portal. Wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Very cute when he told Laurie, "You need vitamins, medicine, and a nice pillow." <laughs> <laughs> what? But that whole like. So there was a controversy about her sending him to get uh, 
morning after pills yeah. because morning after pills would not do anything to stop a pregnancy. They prevent oh, an egg yeah, from being fertilized. That's right. But once the egg is yeah. fertilized, you can't take them and anyway. And so people were complaining that Walking Dead is spreading misinformation that might cause people to think they couldn't do that or whatever. Right. And the writers said that they implied that they did it on purpose. And, you know, I could see Lori maybe not knowing that, but... You're yeah, right? she didn't. Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. I just have a very pointy head, and the top of my <laughs> headphones are sitting on my pointy head. You can um, lengthen it, pull these down like this. Is there is there any way I can make my head less pointy? Um, here, let me push it down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So I just think that the writers messed up. Yeah, or she just uh, maybe they the their thought was uh, she's just uh, never reads directions. <laughs> Uh, I have a really bad thing to say. No, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you after. Uh, but okay, so I was thinking about the whole abortion thing. I don't think I thought this the first time. I didn't. maybe didn't think about it much. But, you know, this is a highly charged issue. But if you're the kind of person that believes abortion is okay, uh-huh. this would actually be a pretty good time to have one. Because um, yeah. you're in, you, first of all, you're, you're carrying maybe your best friend's or your husband's best friend's baby. That's there one. is that. Two, you're in the zombie apocalypse. True. With a vet and yeah. not a doctor. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So if you're going to have an abortion, this might be the time to have sure. one. Right? And even Rick said, you know, do you think I would make you have a baby that you don't even want? So he he implied that he would support her on it too yeah. once he found out. Yeah. She should have talked to him about it first, for sure. Right. And and brought him in on the choice. Yeah, I think so. Oy. Or at least told him beforehand or something. I don't know. It's hard to know. Um, I definitely felt like the whole... Though that the arc of those episodes really picked up steam, mm-hmm. um, and um, and I think the last couple episodes were just um, I can't wait actually to watch the last yeah the episodes last few. yeah that'll be fun. The I thought the first one, like I said, was fine. The pacing, everybody had stuff to do with Daryl, you know, uh-huh. that was good. But then secrets just ground to a halt. Yeah, kind of did. There were some good parts in every one of these episodes, but right, um, right. It just ground to a halt. And, uh, but yeah, you're right. Then it started to amp up after that. Oh, one thing I want to compliment it on is the cinematography, um, especially pretty much dead already. Um, Michelle McLaren from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I believe, the cinematographer for pretty much dead already. And, and I saw. Director. Oh, thank you, director. And I saw it and I was like, wow, this is unbelievable visually it was all sort of eye candy and then only later did i find out that um well makes sense because breaking bad is one of my favorite shows visually yeah we might not uh now that they're going to be in the prison i'm sure it'll be great cinematography but it won't be beautiful necessarily majestic yeah Yeah, it won't be majestic yeah i think we talked about that too Mm. But that's okay. You know, um, that's all right. If the story is uh, there and makes up for it, that's perfectly fine. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for a change of scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, when they go to the pharmacy and they get uh, whatever they want, basically. Yeah. And then, you know, Herschel goes to the bar and he gets alcohol. And it, it just, I, I have this, um, for some reason, this idea that in the zombie apocalypse, 
every place would immediately be totally looted. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. Right. Because, you know, even like when something like the whole Rodney King thing, people go out and loot. I just have a feeling that people would panic so much that they just go hoard everything. Right. There wouldn't be anything left. Were you, did you go through the 1989 earthquake mm-hmm. in San Francisco? I was in a movie theater working at the time. And the second the earthquake hit, I started gobbling down all the junior mints. You did not. (laughs) (laughs) I grabbed a big box load of junior mints and ran out into the street. (laughs) (laughs) I was in class up at UC Santa Cruz. I was in class. And uh, and then I came down uh, to my little house in Santa Cruz um, that I shared with a couple of roommates. And we uh, we were thinking, okay, what do we need? Because everything in our kitchen had pretty much been destroyed. Our little house had been looked like oh, it was ransacked. Wow. It was it was unbelievable. And uh, so I went. We we went to this little market that's right around the corner from mm-hmm. us in Santa Cruz, and uh, they were charging ridiculous prices for. Oh wow! Yeah, I think we we got something very practical. Like we decided to get. They like just a, amped up the prices. They huh? just jacked up the prices, and Jesus and um, I think we decided to get like a six pack because that's where our college <laughs> students' minds went. And oh, you were in Santa Cruz. Huh? I was in that Santa was Cruz. Like really destroyed right downtown. Yes, Holy there was a lot cow. of people died in downtown, and um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And we didn't have any power or water for days and days, and. Yeah, it was it was nuts, and uh, yeah, we decided to get beer. Wow, <laughs> awesome! <clears throat> I wonder if somebody already cleaned out all the oxycontin from their pharmacy. There. <laughs> hey, you need good painkillers <coughs> in the apocalypse. That's for sure. Uh, there's a lot of gun work, gun training, and everything. Yeah, which. When I first saw this, I hadn't had any, but I took that gun class and I realized that, you know how they like, it's called racking the slide. They pull yeah, back on the top yeah. of the gun a lot. I, that's actually a much harder than it looks. Oh, Maybe really? when you're used to it. Yeah. You're, I'm like <clears throat> struggling to. <clears throat> it doesn't give that good click. That It does if you get it right, but it's, it, you have to press a little thing in and then, and then do it just so. And it's kind of. It's tough. <laughs> what what kind of gun did you use? A Glock. Oh, you used a Glock. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. It was fun. Yeah. Did you hear that um, that Fresh Air with Terry Gross um, about um, the history of the Glock? Uh, I only listened to Glenn Beck. <laughs> just kidding. Wow. I just uh, no, totally I, geeked I, out for a minute. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. That sounds it's good. It's great. Though. It was a really great podcast. You should uh, uh, get it from. It's from like May, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, Fresh Air Terry Gross, she has a whole uh, interview with the guy that wrote a book about the history of the Glock. Cool. S- super cool. Check it out. Uh, Shane and Andrea getting it on. I found that to be really nasty. Yeah. Like not pleasant. Do you think that's what the writers intended for us to go? Ugh. Yeah, there's no, really nothing sexy or cool yeah. about it at well, all. It's weird because you'd think like Andrea, she's being empowered and, and um, she's, you know, standing up for herself. And now she feels alive and passionate and she, you know, has this uh, passionate encounter. And you'd think if done in a certain way, that might be kind of like, yeah, or I don't know. But to me, I, I don't know why, but I was just like, oh, gross. And I maybe it's because I don't like her at this point in the series and I don't like him either. Right, right. Is that why? Or it could be that, um, you know, when, for instance, when uh, Glenn and Maggie were in the pharmacy and they uh, uh, got it on the pharmacy that floor. That was a good one. No. It's, uh, the whole I time, liked the whole time it. I was thinking, 
that just must be that must be so a so uncomfortable b yucky because you know there's there's all kinds of people walking through there I yeah know. i mean it's dirt it's dirty zombies, zombies have probably been like dirt actual dirt dirty <laughs> but but the emotional component of it is oh, sweet sure. right yeah very but sweet. the emotional i don't know it, it made me feel warm inside Aww. you know like this one with Andrea and Shane made me feel like I wanted to throw up or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I noticed speaking of Shane that the, uh, you know, the, there's the, the tension between Dale and Shane is a big part of this series of episodes. But what I didn't remember is it's pretty minor. The tension is there, but they're still uh, friendly up until uh, Shane and Andrea come back from their tryst and Dale can uh, sense that something happened. He sees they both have these like looks on their face like the cat that ate the canary and he he's questioning what's going on and she just smiles and uh, puts him off or something. Right. So he knows that something happened and it's right then that he goes to Shane and just starts letting out all his accusations and, and everything about what a bad person Shane is not for Andrea, but for all these other reasons, right? But that triggers it, you know? Yeah. And then that's when Shane like, uh, threatens Dale's life. So it's from that moment on that the tension is really, Oh, he loves her. <laughs> I know. And then she treats, see, I told you, she treats him like total garbage, right? Yeah. Like in the trailer when uh, she's acting all like, you watch me all the time. And Oh, it was heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, I'm, you know, I care about you. And uh, oh, it's so sweet. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Uh, What else? Shane... Shane's in his repeated attempts to get Lori to think that Rick sucks says that (laughs) they wouldn't have been attacked at the camp outside of Atlanta if Rick hadn't left to get Merle. Yeah. And that, you know, it was all him. Right. How does I don't get that. That's just stupid. Like they would have been attacked anyway. Right. Why would they not have been attacked? They would have been attacked anyway. He would have just been another gun there. Who would have been another gun? Uh, Rick would have been another he, another person to protect them. But he came back with all the guns that they yes. just got from Atlanta. So it makes no not sense. only would they have been attacked, they might have died. Shane's a jerk. Remember when he was uh, right. washing uh, Carol's wounds and and talking to her? You know, she just found out, and this is in the last one, Nebraska. Uh, she was uh, she just found out that you know Sophia is dead now. She was a zombie, and uh, all he can do is talk about himself. <laughs> like, know. you know really and he killed otis and he killed otis <laughs> and yeah guitar and playing otis watching these episodes i was interested to see i figured it would but i was just interested to see if i'd have the same view about shane um and his actions and everything and it's just clear that he he cares most about Lori and Carl. So he will kill other people to protect them. So if you're there and you don't, and he doesn't care about you, then you're in danger you're in his way. And I don't think that's the best way to be in life. You I know, agree. I think if you are the kind of person that watches out for other people, then you'll, you'll end up and you meet up with other people like that. Then you'll help each other. You know, you need to um, live together or die alone. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. I agree. So I, I, yeah, I fully just got re-rooted in my opinion that Shane is 
fucked up. He's going to get worse. But I totally appreciated John Bernthal's portrayal of of Shane. I think he did a great job. I think so too. And yeah, and I've said this many times, but without him, season two would have just, I would have, it would have just been boring as hell. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Because <laughs> he added all that tension could, and drama. Couldn't agree more. And I loved when, uh, uh, oh, I think this was in the very last episode but um, that we watched, but um, Herschel just tells him off. He's like, this is my farm and, you know, I, you know, I wanted you out of here, but Rick convinced me to let you stay. So you better shut up. <laughs> that was good. How about Lori flipping the car over on a pile of leaves? In the road? <laughs> yeah. I mean, or is that nitpicky? That might be nitpicky. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, um, they make fun of her on that for the, on the, on the net. They have little pictorials yeah, right. and stuff, but, uh, I don't know. I could see if you're not familiar with the area, you might need to look at a map and you're not used to people walking out on the road. Shuffling slowly it, out on the road. I mean, the way if you watch <laughs> it, the she's looking road. at the map and uh-huh. it takes him like two seconds to get out there. But you'd look at a map longer than that. I don't know. It It's definitely a reminder not to text and drive. <laughs> <laughs> let, let what happened to Lori be a lesson to you all. Yeah. And that's one to grow on. <laughs> Um, I liked the relationship between Carol and Daryl. Yeah. I like that they have this weird intimacy that's not romantic or sexual. Yet. Not yet. It's... Could be. It could grow into it, but it's not yet. Yeah. But it's still... He looks like he has her back. Like, it's not clear to me that even she wants him that way. Right. He is, in fact, wearing an ear necklace. <laughs> but she cares about him, she obviously, does. and wants to be close with him. Right. Wants to be at least a, a, a good close friend. And, um, yeah, it's just interesting. And and it seems like um, she's used to being abused. So when he gets abusive, it's almost she can absorb it. Right. <laughs> and it's almost like maybe it's familiar, familiar to her. Yeah. No, which isn't good. But um, anyways, when she um, when I loved how when Sophia, you know, came out of the barn and everything. And then um, in the next episode, uh, she says, that's not my Sophia. And she was when they were talking about her being there to bury her and she's mm-hmm. like, ah, it's not my Sophia. She's she, then she seems almost relieved. Like she's saying how Sophia didn't actually cry herself to nope. sleep several nights no. and didn't go hungry. Right. And, Only after she became a zombie. And then she was very, very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But that's not her Sophia. <laughs> but, uh, it was depressing too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple of comments about how skinny, uh, Lori is. Daryl calls her olive oil yeah, at one point. Yeah, hilarious. And Gwen uh, just says, you're too skinny, which she is so skinny. She's a very skinny her. actress. And then when her and Andrew Lincoln both have their shirts off, it's like, they need to go to a group or something. <laughs> <laughs> In the very last episode that we watched, Trigger Finger, Randall falls off the roof and gets spiked. Skewered. Yeah, and I heard... Uh, read that one of the writers was surprised when they saw how big that spike was 
and I'm sure the surprise was at least sort of like, oh, wow, we've got him walking pretty much in the next episode, guys. (laughs) (laughs) And you like, you know, impaled him practically. It's the healing magic of Herschel's farm. (laughs) But it makes me wish that the writers could be a little more closely entwined with the production crew because sometimes stuff like that, that kind of stuff happened on The Lost occasionally where like one time there was a map that they found and it said hatch on it, a Dharma map. Yeah. And, um, you know, the writers never actually intended for those things to officially be called hatches because a hatch is like a door that you open, you know, right, this was like, right. a day. and I guess the production crew had just been so used to the characters referring to it that they just wrote it right on there. Right. Right. <laughs> Stuff like that. That's funny. There's a couple more things. Andrea tells Dale that Shane's done more to keep the group alive than anyone. And she fails to remember or mention that Dale actually saved her life. Yes. (laughs) She's never going to see that. So ridiculous. And then finally, um, what about the whole thing at the end with uh, Lori whispering into uh, Rick's ear like Lady Macbeth? She she, you know, she, she's telling him that Shane's dangerous. Right. And and later on, after Rick kills Shane and lo- he tells Lori and she gives him that dirty look. Yeah. I was thinking, Wait well, a second. maybe when she said that she didn't really mean for Rick to kill him. She just wanted to warn him to watch out for Shane. Right. And he did. But what she says is. You kill the living to protect what's yours. And Rick says, that's right. And then she says, Shane thinks I'm his. He thinks the baby is his. And he says, you can't protect us. She's pretty much telling him to kill Shane. Yes. Yes. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I don't get it. I don't understand what what they're going for there to to make her crazy or they had a couple. There was a couple of moments and we'll talk about this next time because there Mm -hmm. are some of the the Lori moments that I just can't stand where she's talking about what what her place is and what Andrea's place should be. Uh, right. In the group, and I'm thinking, what are you trying to? Do? Are you really trying to rob me of any sympathy for Lori at all? <laughs> yep, we'll get to that. But overall, yeah. um, I enjoyed watching these more than I did the first few. Uh, that yeah, the number one through four. I agree. And uh, there were some really, really good moments for sure. Um, still uneven, but building to the end, and I yeah. think the end, the last um, few three are going to be um, four. Four are, are going to be really, really awesomest, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Couple of listener responses. Gracie Lou said, I love the dinner scene, which you like, Karen. You know, with the. Uh, yeah. And the scene between Andrea and Dale on the steps, as much as I did the first time. Do you remember what she's talking about there? No. Neither. Oh. No. And, and she says, still love the creepy ending, too. Creepy. Oh, that's with Lori, I betcha. Yeah, that's she's talking about Lori whispering in in uh, Rick's ear because that's creepy as hell. She says that egg on Glenn's head was still totally unnecessary. (laughs) Yes, I agree, Maggie. (laughs) You guys just don't like Maggie. I don't like her being mean to Glenn. That that didn't seem (laughs) to put him off. She betrayed his trust. He did, or he betrayed her trust. But you know, secrets are are, um, secrets are bad. Yeah, Maggie. You're having you had a whole barn full of zombies. <laughs> That's true. Uh Jake says 
Rick plugging those two dudes at the end of Nebraska was pure badassery at its finest. I agree, man. The best. He says, yeah. Oh, and watching Shane lose his effing mind outside that barn never gets old. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and then uh, Tom says, seeing the tension mount up between Shane and Rick was a lot easier to identify with without having to wait in between episodes. Yeah. I'm not sure what he means by that. Identify with? Well, it's easier to take when you don't have to wait week after week after week to... But he says it's easier to identify with. Identify with. So if he identifies with the struggle between right and wrong. Please write back and elaborate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. That's it. Take a break. There's more to come. Stay with us. You walk like somebody. You talk like somebody. It's not. Back, it's time for listener moans, groans, and grunts. Uh, and we have one. Uh, uh, these, by the way, are edited for time, these emails. So this Some one's from them. Paul. Paul says, hi. Paul. What? Hi, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean there's more? Okay, sorry. Just kidding. Paul says, hi, I just finished listening to the latest episode of your podcast. At one point, you two talked about how Rick left Sophia alone while being chased by two zombies. And later, when the farm is overrun, Rick has Carl stick to his side. I thought this was a display of Rick's true colors in the sense that although he's taken on the burden of looking after this group of people, he ultimately only cares for his immediate family. Sure, we didn't want Sophia to die, but he he would be he would gladly offer her up if it meant that Carl would be saved. And that's from Paul E. No, I don't agree with that. I don't think he wanted, he, he felt so bad about Sophia dying and he was so, when he told her to wait there, you could tell that he thought that was the best thing. It wasn't because he, he was trying to give her up or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, although, yeah, family is family, too. I I mean, sure, but he's saying that this shows that he Rick doesn't care about, doesn't anybody, care else. about anybody else. And he does. No, he, he wanted to save her. And I, I mean, my point was just that he tried this tactic and then he realized that it didn't work out. So next time, I mean, it could have even been a different kid other than Carl. And hopefully he would have still said, just stay right by my side, okay? Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Know, I think he would have. I don't think he'd just do that with his own kid. He'd do whatever he thought would work to save everybody. That's what he's all about. And how about Carl? Would I mean, he- also he always leaves too. Like he left to go get Merle and left Lori and Carl, uh, unprotected, you know, he yeah. leaves to go get, um, Herschel in the bar and leaves Lori and Carl unprotected. So he's killed, not always doing the killed smartest bicycle thing. girl. And yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one's from Michelle. I'm listening to your first season two rewatch episode that just came out. What piqued my attention was Jason's observation that Norman Reedus wanting his Daryl Dixon character to be a badass so that he doesn't come off with genuine human flaws that aren't either James Dean angsty or Clint Eastwood bad boyish. In other words, not really flaws at all, but character devices to seem well more like a badass. 
I'm leaning toward Jason on this one, and heck, maybe it's sour grapes on my part as well. But Daryl's character more seems to be a Mary Sue type of character that Norman Reedus, Robert Kirkman, or Glenn Mazzara, or maybe even a combination of the three, are using to inflate their own egos and make themselves look good, if even in their own minds. Hmm. What's a Mary Sue character? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Mary Sue. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to knock on Daryl's creators, and I've heard all three are really nice people in real life, but there's something about Daryl's character that doesn't quite sit right with me as both a viewer of the show and a reader of the comics. Reedus has fought the writers tooth and nail successfully as it seems so far for his character not to have a romantic relationship with Carol, a notion with which the show's writers tease the viewers constantly. Believe me, I'm not a Daryl Carroll shipper, but as a woman <laughs> in her early 40s, I find it somewhat offensive that Reedus is so adamant about not wanting his character to have a relationship with the cougar on the show. <laughs> Even if he doesn't admit it in interviews, it sure as hell smacks of a skin-deep bias against just not wanting his big, beautiful, badass character to be caught on film kissing the 40-something short-haired lady. Must we, I mean, must we perpetuate the ugly stereotype of older women in film and TV not being deserving of getting any due to their ages? Reedus is no spring chicken himself, and it just seems to be a double standard that slobbish middle-aged or older men are still entitled to get theirs while women like melissa mcbride who are attractive yet don't fit the megan fox mold are left in the cult maybe i'm making too many assumptions about what Reedus the actor thinks or feels towards his character development his attitude towards women and his perception of daryl's relationships with other characters on the show but it sure smacks of female age discrimination to me somehow i seriously doubt Reedus would be bullying the writer so fiercely if carol were played by say emma stone of course, she'd make a super young mom. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I've never heard of any instance on a TV show where the actor has such a huge role in crafting his character. The Walking Dead show creators are simply lucky that Daryl gets so much fan love and is super popular as a result. I only hope that Daryl doesn't turn into a caricature of himself as the show progresses and the char- other characters grow and develop without him. So what do you think about all that? Um... I think she's right when she says maybe I'm making too many assumptions about what Rita's the actor thinks or feels towards his character development, his attitudes towards women and his perception of Daryl's <laughs> relationships. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like we don't know. So yeah, we can't. Oh, we can't totally. really judge. Yeah, me too. I mean, um, I'm really glad they're there. It's kind of nicer that they're just buds on the show, you know, having each other's backs. And maybe that's yeah. even more uh, more realistic because, um, you know, she is, you know, a newly widowed lady and by newly i mean like it's what been a week or two yeah before her her she like clobbered her husband and <laughs> and as as for him he's sort of like a a a, um, a guy from a completely different background it would seem so i don't know it doesn't it doesn't seem like a natural fit mm-hmm. but what do i know yeah it doesn't to me neither i think it's it's realistic the way it's being portrayed and i think that if they did get together, it would actually be kind of interesting because they are kind of mismatched. It seems mm-hmm. like, but, um, but they'd have to do it well. And it's, and I think it works whether they do it that or not. Yeah. Although I wondered that too. I wondered if, uh, Norman Reedus didn't want it because of that, but, but we have no way of knowing. that. Well, he does say 
Go ahead. And, and this is, is a quote that I found from Norman Reedus. I fought against having Carol and Daryl hook up because there's already too many of us doing it on the show. It's more interesting to see these two damaged people gravitating to each other, needing each other's friendship. But I got to admit, it would be hysterical watching Daryl put a, on a bunch of deodorant before he goes in for his first kiss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, he's yeah. kind of. He's I, not saying. Well, he wouldn't say it, but he's not saying, oh, she's not pretty enough for Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> but he might be thinking that. You never know, but there's no way we can know that. No, there's yeah. no way we can know that. This next email. And it is in, he's got a point. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And yeah. thanks for writing, Michelle. And I don't, but it, but, uh, but it is interesting that he's fighting against it. this next one's from jim he says i agree that daryl evolved too quickly from being out of control somewhat racist redneck in the first season to heartwarming superman in the second season i can believe that he would change over time from being uh in this group but it literally happened overnight sorry what do you think um oh yeah i totally agree that's exactly what i was saying last time yeah, yeah. Uh, and this next one. <laughs> Sorry, it, I missed it. It's okay. It. Comes from Amy. But you, wait, wait. You don't agree with that, right? Um, no, actually, I suppose in uh, in Walking Dead time, that's a pretty quick transition uh, if you go by the strict timeline of it. It's a couple weeks. <laughs> but, but is he even? In, I mean, we didn't really get to know him no. that much in the first season, right? And And really, I mean... That might have been just because he was a guilt by association because he was hanging yes. out with Merle. I think that I was a bit guilty of that. In fact, after our last episode, when I was saying I wish he was more of a redneck, I felt like, oh, what am I saying? Like, am I being uh, prejudiced? You know? Yeah. Am I wishing that he was a stereotype? I don't right. want that. I just don't want him to be the other kind of a stereotype of, of having Fonzie dropped right into the middle of the walking dead. <laughs> right. He doesn't necessarily need to be a stereotypical redneck racist. Just because his brother <clears throat> is. Yeah. Doesn't mean that he needs to be. All right. This next one comes from Amy. And by the way, Jim, thanks for writing. Amy says, I wanted to mention that my husband hated zone one. I know a ton of people uh, are recommending it to you, but he said it was the worst book he's ever read. And he loves reading zombie fiction. He said, you should have read Day by Day, Armageddon by J.L. Bourne, if you want a great zombie book. Oh, and can you guys explain how you met? Can't, no. No? Okay. <laughs> we cannot explain how we met. I'm fully prepared to explain how we met, but not until I have Karen's permission. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It was prison. <laughs> That's Are you a happy? Lie. Are you happy? <laughs> Next, from Daniel. Hope you're happy. As Jason has noted many times later in the comics, the zombie are almost zombies are almost a non-issue, and there are times when the readers won't see a single zombie for multiple issues in, in a row. I believe the show's heading into the same direction, and I feel like the upcoming conflict with the governor and Woodbury is the first part of that transition. My only problem with this thinking is that I think a large chunk of the viewers will disapprove. We already hear enough groaning from some fans that there aren't enough zombies. Do you think the show wants to follow the direction of the comic in terms of less zombies? Or do you think that the show knows that a good portion of the show's audience wants the show to focus heavily on zombies and they'll continue to showcase them? My suspicion is there will be more zombies than this season, but there will still be a lot of uh, human to human conflict. And hopefully if it's good enough, there'll be less complaints. I think even if it's really good, there'll still be people complaining, but I really don't think it's plausible to have just wall to wall zombie action for 
the full hour because a we'd get tired of it and b the budget isn't there for that right right so i think it can be done really well where there's more zombies than this season but there's still a lot of other stuff going on too one thing that i heard that i'm kind of excited about is that um uh the zombies are going to be uh changing because uh as time goes on the zombies are getting hungrier and hungrier and sort of decaying more and more Mm -hmm. so it's kind of neat i'm looking forward to next season the zombies that we do see are going to be a little different than the zombies that we have seen so that's gonna be fun to see and some of the ones in the previews look really cool do they i mean i really think that uh you know watching all these episodes of season two where the show is the strongest thank god is when the zombies are on screen yeah like almost every zombie scene just works really well yeah and i was trying to think what what zombie scenes don't work well. And I guess the one that came to mind that worked the least well was the well zombie, even though it was an awesome zombie, just because why would they want to pull it out of there when it was obviously already contaminating the water? Um, I'm not talking about how it looked. I'm just talking about everything else about the scene. Right. It still was a fun scene, but, and it was fine, but every other zombie scene I think is just great. You know, like there's very little to complain about. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Exciting, and they look great, and it's staged well and all that. Right. Uh, He goes on. He? Daniel. Daniel. Yes. On another note, knowing how much the two of you love a good scare, I thought I'd suggest two video (laughs) games to you guys, Slender and Amnesia the Dark Descent. Both are first-person adventure games where there are no weapons and thus no way to fight the monsters that are after you. The only thing to do when you encounter these monsters is run like hell. (laughs) This feeling of vulnerability combined with a light lighting or lack thereof and sound really helped to create a scary, intense atmosphere. I think that's I'll just stop there. But um, yeah, these Slender, I guess, is a free game and Amnesia is like 20 bucks. I, Amnesia, I actually mentioned a few episodes ago and I've played some of it and it's amazingly scary. It's like really? the scariest that's game ever. Right. I, I want to show you show it to you. Maybe I want to see podcast. it, yeah. man. I, I can't play it. I need someone to sit by ah. my, sit on my lap while I play this. <laughs> <laughs> this, um, this next email is from Kevin. He said, I went to AMC and watched trailer for season three again. It's mind-blowing. I can't come up with words of praise intense enough to describe how great it looks, especially being the biggest fan of the comic, the show, and the genre. It's repulsively beautiful. I never <laughs> thought I would ever love a show as much as Lost again. I'm like, you, uh, after a really good show comes to an end, such as Lost, now uh, my second favorite show of all time, I get somewhat sad thinking nothing will ever compare. The Walking Dead not only compares, but blows it out of the water. Trust in Kirkman, Mazzara, and Hurd. They should run for office. Poetry. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, and you guys rock too. I spent the last three weeks completely catching up on all 71 of your podcasts. Good Lord. Can't wait for 72. You two are my new best friends. Aw, Kevin. So sweet. And Kevin even gave us a um, haiku. Uh, and it goes like this. I watched the trailer. Goosebumps traveled up my spine. Herschel will die first. Thanks, <laughs> thanks a lot. Walker bait. That's our first haiku entry into our Who Will Die First contest. I bet it won't be our last. (laughs) That's so sweet, Kevin. You're my new best friend. (laughs) You're my new virtual best friend. Keep writing. 
And finally, we got a tweet from Mr. Blog. He says, sorry, Jason, according to a recent iTunes review, my left wing agenda cost you a listener. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) So we got an angry review. We did. Saying that we're too left wing and that we lost uh, him as a listener. Yeah. And I feel and I felt genuinely bad about that. And uh, I mean, we actually lost a listener. So clearly my apology is not reaching lost on this listener, lost, lost on this listener. so <laughs> sorry but if it, there's anybody else who i offended when i was going on about the zombies starving at the republican national convention <laughs> i apologize and wanted to say did you say that i said something like That's that awesome. and um i wanted to say that um there's been lots of great republicans in history including <laughs> abraham lincoln and teddy roosevelt and um c montgomery burns and Rush Limbaugh. And my Aunt Renata and um, my friend George at work. <laughs> Love you both. So Mr. Blog was feeling guilty about that? Yeah, he sure was. And I felt He really... shouldn't be such a, um, a Nazi then. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, he's not. So, he's a commie. A he's commie, a, He's yeah. a hippie commie. Uh, no. He's... Wait, don't they say the extreme left wing is like Nazis? Yeah, they do. Except he's nowhere like that. I, he's I, not, are you sure? No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> met, of course. Uh, I mean, okay. So, Mr. Blog, maybe he, I think he does some political uh, blogging. Hardly but any. If it, he, it's pop culture. I don't care if his entire blog was completely political. Uh, when when he came on the show, I don't remember talking politics. We talked Game of Thrones, we right? We talked Game of Thrones. Yeah. He's a pop culture so, guy. Anybody who says, oh, you had someone who elsewhere talks about politics in a way I don't like. So even though they didn't talk about politics on your show, I'm unsubscribing. Then good riddance to you. I know. Well, that's that's, <laughs> that's it. Exactly. Ridiculous. We, and I, the only reason I want to talk about this is I just wanted to let Mr. Blog know that um, don't feel guilty about that. Don't feel guilty. In fact, you did we us a favor. You. We love you. And and mm-hmm. not only do we love you, we love your entire family and 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 your dog and, and your cats and your blog. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody uh uh wants to read some awesome reviews of uh movies books yeah his blog from what i can tell is like cool stuff majority is like book reviews and movies yes things like yes and he's a really really good writer and he's smart and he's funny and it's a joy to read so um yeah we we love you mr blog and I want to say that um, I usually don't answer to negative reviews because um, we don't get a whole lot of them, and I don't. There's no reason to put a lot of attention on like it. A- but this is kind of a point that is worth talking about. Like yeah. we, we, you know, Karen and I are. I don't know if you've noticed, but we we do go a little to the left, or maybe a lot. Um, but uh, I really try, for the most part, to leave that out. You're of You're really good about it, and yeah. I sneak it and in because I occasionally. But I mean. Bad. I, one thing I really like about doing this podcast is our listeners obviously come from all stripes. Yeah, you know, we have from the military and from Love you guys. all over the world, and and I can tell there's different political bends, especially when things like the whole Shane argument came up or uh, mm-hmm. Randall. There's just people who think a lot differently, and um, it makes me feel good that we can all like come together over this thing that we like and just kind of either celebrate our differences or ignore them. Right. You know, and there's not right. enough of that right yes. now. Yes. We've forgotten how to hang out with people that we don't totally agree with. One thing that reminds me of that is I have this one friend who is, uh, we've known each other since like sixth grade. And now um, he's politically like almost the opposite of me, but we just don't talk about it a lot. And yeah. since we have this 
strong friendship we're, we're, we're good friends, but it, it, because the country's so divided right now, it's, it's hard to make new friends when you know that you're politically opposed. So, right. I yes. mean, it's harder. Yeah. So I'm proud that we have this podcast where that's not the main focus. And we're going to try, mm-hmm. I apologize. I'm going to be more fair and try not to go for silly, stupid comments like that. <laughs> and I love you all. I, I per- personally, I mean, I feel like if you like, I don't know, I guess you're right, but I'm a few all. little like genuine expressions like that are okay with me. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I especially for all the Republicans who are listening right now, I'm sending you all big fat kisses. <laughs> big kisses. All right. Shall we move on? Yes. Let's for God's sakes. Mm. Okay. It has been a quiet week in Lake Zombiegon, but I have a feeling that things are going to get more exciting in my second favorite city of all time, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You know I always send my love to Pittsburgh. Love you, Pittsburgh! Because they're coming up on October, Saturday, October 13th, 2012, is World Zombie Day. And that's for everybody, by the way. So check your local listings. There may be some zombie fe- uh, festivities happening in your neck of the woods. Um, but this one is Zombie Fest Pittsburgh, which is probably like the granddaddy of all um, zombie festivals. And it's going to be so great. It's, um, if you know, uh, admission is free if you are dressed up as a zombie. You got to love that. Um, there's going to be live bands, contests, including the Zombie Olympics, Brain Eating Contest, Ugly Pageant, and the Best Scream Contest. Isn't that cool? And even a zombie <coughs> motorcycle run, which is great. I guess you get to dress up as zombies and drive motorcycles around, right? The best scream one I, sounds the best to me. I I, I think the ugly pageant. <laughs> <laughs> they I should want, combine those. I love it. So the great. ugliest screamer. And brain eating contest. Hopefully that's like jello mold uh, brains. Jason so. Taylor published uh, this great video from Wired about the recipe for brains. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On our site. Did um did you look at it and uh, are well, you... it's got like chemicals that I'm not sure are easy to get. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you could see them, the zombies sitting there patiently eating their brains. <laughs> when you when you ate uh, when you were a zombie extra, mm-hmm. you ate a little something, right? No, I mean, there was a dummy of Patricia that I chewed on and it was all dirty. Yeah. mm -hmm. Ew. (laughs) So uh, let me ask you, um, speaking of, we're getting towards that season where Halloween is coming upon us. Mm -hmm. And I think you mentioned this maybe a little bit earlier, but I did see an article um, that is predicting what the hot top 10 hot costumes are going to be for this holiday season. What do you think? uh, Name name a uh, costume theme that is going to be represented in the top 10 Halloween costumes. Avengers. Yes. Very good. What else? Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. How many can you get? Uh, let's see. Um, I have one that is unbelievably disturbing. Nudists. Close. Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't know the story. <laughs> I know it's uh, cheesy erotica, right? You know the story then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, is it uh-huh. supernatural? No. Oh. 
Because they have a lot of vampires. No, I, I of actually, I, I say no, like, it, no, of course not. But you know what? It was actually fan fiction based on Twilight. So yeah. originally the characters were... Uh, he, vampires. Well, he at least was. But yeah. He's not? No, because no. then she published it and uh, I think didn't get permission. And so, you know, she probably went through and um, searched and changed the names from... Um, whatever stupid name it was before to uh, Christian Grey. But then did she make them not vampires anymore? Yeah. Oh. He's at like an investment banker. Or so that's just he's incidental. Like a, huh? The whole vampire yeah. myth is easy to just, just edit a, that right He's out. just a dude who, who uh, likes to likes kinky sex. Instead of a banker, instead of a vampire, he's a banker. <laughs> It's not hilarious. Uh, and a couple other ones that might be interesting if you want to dress up your tyke in any of these. And by the way, who thinks that that Fifty Shades of Grey is going to be appropriate for kids? Is this for kids? Yes. Oh, weird. which is why I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Okay, but Avengers. Okay, um, zombies. That's why mm. I found the article okay, at all. Got it. Power Rangers. That's kind of always in vogue. Uh, Monster High. Which is, I think, a Nickelodeon or something mm. like that. Hunger Games. You can mm. kind of see a lot of Katnesses. Mm. And out then there. the kids will be running around trying to kill each other. That would be awesome. Whole new <laughs> Whoever spin to Halloween. Lives gets all the candy. <laughs> oh, that's great. Angry Birds. I think it'd be hilarious to have a little Angry oh. Bird costume. And oh. little kids throwing themselves at each other. <laughs> you can Violent. Fling, you can fling your kid at something. Yeah. Batman. Because of uh, the Dark Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adventure Time, which is a Cartoon Network show. And by the way, you're going to have to get used to this whole cartoon Nickelodeon Oh, yeah. Thing. No, I can't wait. It's in your future, like, man. When's he going to get savvy enough to care whether he's watching C-SPAN or cartoons? He doesn't <laughs> care right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then this was, I thought, um, kind of adorable. Uh, 12 movies that make you root for the zombies. And uh, it's in about two-point font, so I've got my reading glasses on, folks. Uh, so what do you think? What's a movie where, where you care about the zombie? Can you guess one? Oh, uh, I don't know. A movie where you care about the British. zombie? Or at least the lead Shaun actor. Of the Dead? I, no, no. Fido. Oh, yeah, of Remember? course. Remember? Yeah, yeah, Zombies yeah. That are... wasn't British. Uh, he was, okay. um, of course, you wouldn't know because I think Billy Connolly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Scottish, so great, so great. And this movie that I haven't heard about before, at least I don't think so. Um, Colin, did we hear about Colin? Yeah, um, it's from the point of view of a zombie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the little zombie that could. Um, <laughs> they uh, did you ever see the movie Zombie Strippers? Nope. I think Jenna Jameson's in it. She is. <laughs> we may be rooting for Jenna Jameson to take out her undead coworkers, but it's clear that the zombie strippers have earned their revenge on their boss and some of their clientele. It's still pretty uncomfortable to watch. See, the, when I think of zombies um, mixed together with strippers, I get the same feeling as I did when I watched the Shane and Andrea sex scene. Yeah, it's like exactly. Just wrong. Right, right. <laughs> and then this next one's a George Romero. Land of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. George Romero grants his old mindless zombies a touch of intelligence, mm. and they're becoming increasingly dissatisfied with the human raids on zombie land. He's even got a zombie protagonist, Big Daddy, and a villainous super, uh, human, human upper class that harms humans and zombies alike. Because the you know how um, George Romero zombie movies have um, 
social metaphor? Yes. That one was kind of a metaphor about how in the West we're very comfortable, but and we kind of ignore all the turmoil that's happening in other countries. Yeah. And so there's this island with this like tower where all these rich people are having soirees and things yes, like that. Yes, right. And the zombies are encroaching, but they don't notice it. And you end up kind of not liking them and you root for the zombies to break through their defenses. Rich dumbasses. <laughs> wait. Oh, wait. No. Wait. What happened? 1%. Oh. <laughs> What happened to my pledge? Dang it. Okay, next one is another Romero. Day of the Dead. Land of the Dead certainly wasn't Romero's first dance with sympathetic zombies. Big Daddy has an ancestor in Day of the Dead's bub. Remember, bub? reading. Yeah, there he is reading. So cute. There's a picture of him um, with a book, and it's really, really cute. Yeah, I mean, most zombie movies, you have a moment where you at least feel sorry for the zombies. Yeah, yeah. Hey, they're sad they, characters. They used, to, they used to be mom. There's mm-hmm. mom. She's a zombie. <laughs> or Philip, mom's boyfriend. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, recently, by the way, did you see Paranorman? No, I want to. I want to also. Uh, they say Paranorman, since this movie is still in theaters, we don't want to give reviews. too much away about the plot. But bear in mind that these slightly cute shamblers aren't a jolly, aren't the jolly brain eaters we might initially expect. After all, you don't become a zombie in Salem Town without a uh, a bit of backstory. Yeah, hmm. cool. I want to see that. You don't become a zombie in a Salem-like town without a bit of backstory. Interesting. So they mentioned a couple of us, but those were the most interesting. So that's the news from Lake Zombie Gone, where all the women are dead, all the men are bad-looking, and all the children are brain-eating freaks. Okay, that's our show. I think I was a little... Uh lethargic today i don't know why no i'm always this well, you've tired. had a cold for three weeks that's that true be part of it that was episode 72 thanks for listening everybody thanks everybody i want to remind you that we are on stitcher for you stitcher fans we're also on get glue i also have no idea what that is <laughs> um we're on there <laughs> we're a there. slight idea you can go on there and if you're watching us you go on there and you say where you're watching us That'd be nice. I have no idea why you'd want to do that. (laughs) By the way, I cannot wait until we have our live chat back with our listeners. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to start that live chat. Great. We've got one more episode of rewatching to do. Uh, It's season two, episodes 10 to 13. And then after that, we'll the show starts up in uh-huh. October and we'll do our live broadcast on the Monday following yeah. every uh, at what time I think it's uh, 4 30 p.m. 4:30. Western uh, Pacific, Pacific time, time and then the, was it 7 30 Eastern time yeah so if you go to walkingdeadcast.com slash live on the Monday after the premiere at 4.30 Pacific, you can hear us live and there's a chat room where you can talk to other people on there. It's so fun. It's I, fun. I love it. I think it's so great. And everybody who's, who goes on there is so witty and they're fabulous. Yeah. And then also we'll be doing the top five things we're hoping for or looking forward to in season three next time. We will, will we? Is that all right with yeah, you? Yeah, I know. And then uh, I will review Telltale's Walking Dead game episode three, which I still haven't played, but I promise I will before next time. Nice. Maybe I can come a couple minutes early next time and um, check it out. Yeah. 
Sounds good. In the meantime, if you'd like to leave us a message, you can call us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at walkingdeadcast.com. You can check out our website and leave comments at walkingdeadcast.com. We're also on Twitter at Jason and Karen and on Facebook at facebook.com slash deadcast. Somebody call us. We haven't gotten any calls in two, <gasps> two episodes. No. All right. That's our show. <laughs> but only if you love us. Thanks for listening. Don't, Don't get, get big, Janelle Hendrix Curtis. Curtis.